I wanted to change the world. I wanted to reduce people's suffering. I didn't realize that business would be the pathway that I would do that. You gotta pick yourself up, go backwards and slam yourself at the wall like 500 more times until the wall crumbles. 25% of middle school girls already believe they'll never achieve their dream career. career. Hi, I'm Kara Golden, founder and CEO of Hint. Hint. And you're listening to Unstoppable, a podcast spotlighting the journeys of inspiring entrepreneurs. I believe that at its core, leadership is about constantly learning from the people around you. And I'm so inspired by the conversations we're having in our upcoming episodes and can't wait to share them with you. This season, some of my guests include Rebecca Minkoff, fashion designer and founder of the Female Founder Collective, Diana Kaff, author of Girls Who Run the World, Andrew Dudham, founder of Hymns, and Eugene Rem, co-founder of Rumble Fitness, and much, much more. Plus, we ask the million-dollar question, what does it really take to be unstoppable? Let's find out. Hi, everybody. It's Kara from Unstoppable. I'm really excited to have Julie Smolansky here with us today. Julie and I are friends, and we've known each other for a while now, and Julie is the CEO of Lifeway Foods, which I think is best known for the Kiefer products, um, but I want to talk a little bit more about some of the other stuff that they're doing too. But just a little bit of background, Julie is actually lives in Chicago, right? Actually in Chicago in Lincoln Park. Wonderful. And she became the youngest female CEO of a publicly held firm when she took over Lifeway Foods at the age of 27 years old. Crazy. Since then, Julie has continued the company's growth trajectory, bringing in an Eastern European product into the U.S. mainstream and boosting annual company revenues to over $120 million in 2017 from $12 million. Just like kind of badass, right? That you took it from that. That's amazing. And under her leadership, the company has expanded distribution throughout the U.S., Mexico, the U.K., and Ireland, as well as portions of Central and South America and the Caribbean. And she's been named to Fortune Businesses 40 Under 40, Fortune's 55 Most Influential Women on Twitter, and Fast Company's Most Creative People in Business 1000. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So excited. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I am admiring all of your work and all of the ways that you help better our world. And it's just so inspirational to watch. Oh my gosh. You're so, you're so nice. Well, I admire you as well. And I think like what we've really wanted to do with Unstoppable was really bring people who I'm fortunate enough to be able to know and have conversations with and just talk to them about just what's going on with them in the world. So um, obviously we're recording this during COVID, hopefully coming out of COVID and who knows, but in the midst of it, you know, it's been a great time to actually have conversations with people and talking about, you know, going through challenging times and, and how do you, you know, look at things overall. But before we get to that, I want to just can you take us back to 2002 when you became the CEO, the youngest CEO of a public company? And how did you handle, how did you like think about that? I mean, were you just 
Did you have fear? Did you like, I mean, what was sort of your, your mindset at that point? Not so much fear. It was really pure, like cortisol and adrenaline at that point. And, you know, when my father died suddenly of a heart attack, he was 55 in the prime of his life. And, you know, basically everyone around me, well, his closest friends, said, there's no way a 27-year-old girl could run this company, forget it, the company's done, sell your stock. And that really fueled me. I think that angered me and that gave me like a fire in my belly and a defiance. And I was just adamant about proving those men wrong. And also, you know, for me, I just kept saying failure is not an option. And you know, I'll just have to actually give you a little bit more context. My parents and I were refugees from the former Soviet Union. So we settled in Chicago. We were the first of 48 families that were allowed to settle through a slit in the Iron Curtain in 1976. My parents were real trailblazers. You know, my mother learned English watching General Hospital. My father was a mechanical engineer. And in the first few weeks of life in America, we came with $116 in our pocket. And there were no wow. other Russian speaking individuals here to translate or help with that because we were the first. So it was really challenging. And we literally came from nothing and that no, they did not know what they were in for. And when I think about how hard they worked and, and that's where Kiefer originated from, they saw this opportunity and they thought, you know, America has everything but it doesn't have keeper. And they found this one gap in the market and they thought, well, we can bring this product, this ancient product that our ancestors intuitively consumed for 2000 years. How could it be that it did not exist in the United States? It was because of migration. It was because of immigration. It was because of the advocacy of Americans here, you know, demanding the release of Soviet Jews at that time that I am here, that I'm alive, and that everything's transpired over the course of my life. You know, it all kind of goes back to that time. So thinking about what's for dinner, but you haven't had a minute to even think about it before now. Well, let's not make that mistake again. I have a tip for you. Factor. Stress-free, delicious, ready-to-eat meals, just perfect for spring and summer yumminess. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes or less. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, keto, vegan, veggie, or calorie smart. Factor has you covered. Discover more than 60 add-ons every week, too, like breakfast and on-the-go lunch choices, snacks and beverages now, too. Stay fueled and feel good all day long with whatever they are creating over at Factor for you. And the best part, each meal is ready to eat in just two minutes or less. And who wouldn't want that? Factor is your solution for fast premium meals without the need for cooking. Get started today and fuel up for your spring and summer goals. What are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash golden50 and use code golden50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code golden50 at factormeals.com slash golden50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. 
That's code GOLDEN50 at Factormeals.com slash GOLDEN50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. And then, you know, I also think about my great grandparents, my grandparents, they came from this time where they, they were the first impacted by World War II, by the Holocaust. My great grandparents were murdered in their homes in Kiev. My grandmother survived. She ran and escaped and hid in the forest and survived. And I thought, you know, all of these things, I kind of have these stories were in my blood, this resilience, this grit, this fortitude. And so I just wouldn't, I could not let all the things that my parents worked so hard for slip away. So the company, my, my parents founded Lifeway Foods in 1986. And then my dad took it public in 88. He was the first Soviet Jew to take a company public before wow. You know, before Google, he took took Lifeway public, and so between 1986 and 2002, you know, I watched my parents build Lifeway Foods, and I did not want that, all that work to go in vain. And so, there could have been, you know, they could have sold the company right away. You know, after my dad died, the board could have said, "Well, forget it." My mom could have said, "We're going to just sell the company on pennies," and we would have gotten nothing. 
And I said, no, I'm going to lead this company. And it's what my father wanted. He, I spent five years working with him side by side. And it's, it's what he told me that I would do. And so I just thought I'd be a lot older. You know, I thought I'd be in my way late old adulthood, but it was an abrupt pause in my life. It was a halt, you know, whatever you think you were doing in your twenties, I was not doing any of that. I was like building this company and I eventually caught up though. I caught up to everyone. Wait, so when you were in school, like in high school and college, were you working like there? I mean, yeah. Yeah. So you, you didn't just totally disconnect. I mean, it's funny, like a lot of kids of entrepreneurs just are like, I don't want anything to do with that at all. Like you were, you had an interest in what they were doing. Well, yes and no. I worked for them always. Like I worked in my, my mom had a deli, which she opened almost like two years into our immigration, like a Russian deli, which became like town center for all the Russian immigrants that came through. Awesome. There's, I, I mean, I remember probably my first work, I was four years old and I was working in the store putting shelf tags on the store and price stickers. So I, I was always like a real hard worker and I always really wanted to help my family. So, and they were very entrepreneurial. They had to be. And so I worked in all their various businesses and, but I was a figure skater. I worked at the stadium, my local ice rink. And so I worked there to get free ice to be able to practice. So I I babysat. I remember like my first official paycheck, I was 14 and I've never not worked since I was 14. I worked, I don't know, four jobs, five jobs in college while I graduated in three years because I didn't want my parents to pay for the extra fourth year. So I hurried it up to, to help them. And but I really wanted to be like a, a psychologist, actually. And I started grad school to work in social services. And I was really determined there. I was a rape crisis counselor. I did a lot of work with trauma. And I really had this like at the core, I wanted to change the world. I wanted to reduce people's suffering. I didn't realize that business would be the pathway that I would do that. It happened serendipitously when I was in my dad's office. I did not want anything to do with the business as a career. And I heard his conversations around how Kiefer helped people and the research that was coming out. And since then, we've even learned so much more about it. And I thought, wow, actually, I see a usage for this besides like a capitalist society or marketplace, like our product, our Kiefer has ancient healing that changes people's lives, like it improves people's lives. Some on their deathbed feel their most relief when they're drinking it. It is the only you know thing that they could have, let's say, in a chemo treatment. We've had people who have Crohn's disease who were spared from having surgery and having you know 80% of their digestive tract removed or completely eliminated all of their pharmaceutical medications just from food, from functional food. And I know you are the spokesperson for this, you know, healthy eating and the fact that, you know, our food system makes us sick and, or it can make us better, right? You can either, it can either be the slowest, totally. the slowest poison or the fastest medicine. And it just clicked for me this day when I was in his office listening to these conversations and it suddenly dawned on me, like I am going to leave grad school. So I didn't come back for my second year. I mean, this was such a hard decision. I spent my 
you know, all of high school, all of college, working to get into grad school to be a psychologist, all this volunteer work, all of it. And suddenly, just out of the blue, just like that, it hit me, nope, I am going to leave school and I'm going to come work for my dad. And it just was a gut feeling. And it was, thank God, because I had five years to work with him side by side and really learn. But I was able to use all of my schooling, you know, I, my work around trauma today, it's so critical to the work we do at Lifeway. You know, that gut feeling, the gut health, mental health, which we're learning about, like, this, it all, it's so crazy because now, you know, 20 plus years after college, I'm right back to the passion that I was originally kind of set out to embark on. I'm right back in it and really leading it with scale. You know, I get to contribute to this conversation at a level that I never even dreamed of, honestly, because I thought I was going to be doing like one-on-one clinical work with individual clients and patients. Yeah. But but your impact, I mean, I, I see what you're doing and your impact over the years is, I mean, you've really been able to take that. And I mean, not to mention the fact just actually being the CEO and being very customer centric. I mean, all of that journey that you've been on or thought that you were headed in that direction, you know, that's as you and I have talked about, I have a book coming out in October and it's called Undaunted. And part of what I've really put stakes in the ground around is the fact that, yes, this is a book about building my company Hint, but it's also a little bit autobiography. And I always tell people, like, it's not a waste of, like, don't ever look at your last job as a waste of time or anything that you've ever done. Sometimes you can't connect the dots until later, like why, you know, horrible things happened to you or things didn't go the way that you thought. You know, the beauty is that, what I've learned is that you can probably connect those dots. And, you know, I tell lots of stories along the way. And I mean, you're like living proof of that, where I look at people, you know, who are on the outside, incredibly successful, but also like, you didn't know you were going to be the CEO of your dad's company, right? Like you didn't know that you were going to do what you are doing today. And you started on one path and and then you said, well, actually, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to take that learning. So it's, I think that's just really great. And it's something that, you know, I think a lot of our listeners frequently write in and talk to me about, about like, they don't feel like they're in the right career now. And then they start hearing Julie talk about this, or, you know, maybe it's a family business that they never really thought about. Should I actually stay a little closer to this and start to really understand what's going on and figure out if there's something for me to do there or not. Right. And, but I think you're just a living example of that, which is really, really awesome. So just a little bit about Kiefer. I mean, you talked a bit about this. I mean, what I think is so great is this came from, you know, really it's a heritage product, right? Where it's like, you know, you guys had to educate people. Like I always tell people like when you're launching a product, I mean, we had to also educate people about unsweetened flavored water. Like they were like, wait a minute, what do you mean? Like vitamin water actually has like sugar or diet sweeteners in it. You know, I think your product is very similar where you had to like, I bet for years had to educate the consumer about like the benefits of kefir. Like, how do you do that when you're, you know, launching? I mean, you not only have to educate consumers, but you also have to educate buyers, right? At grocery stores and what the need was. I mean, it's really hard what you did. Yeah, it is really hard. And with zero outside help, like we didn't have private equity. We still don't. We didn't have Harvard 
degrees. We didn't have a huge bank account to do this with. We just had our story and we told it over and over again. And I really strongly believe in the power of storytelling, which is why I'm so excited to read your book and love that you're doing these podcasts because you're telling these stories or giving people platforms to tell their stories. And we have to do it over and over again. You know, just because you do it once doesn't mean that you're done. It's not a check the box kind of thing. We've we're now a legacy product. Lifeway's been around for over 33 years now. So that's over three generations of people that we have to continue to educate and build and increase that ring of you know consumers that are, are loyal consumers. And that word of mouth today, as you know, with social media, it is exponentially growing like wildfire in good or bad ways. You know, it's it, both which is one of the challenges is to kind of control the narrative in these, all these various situations. But, you know, Kiefer originated 2000 years ago in the Caucasus mountains in a region where the people there lived past a hundred years old and they attributed their, their longevity to their consumption of Kiefer and probiotics. They intuitively in their gut, my ancestors had this feeling that they could heal their body through Kiefer, through the consumption of Kiefer. And until a uh, hundred years ago, microbiologist Ellie Metchnikoff, he started the original research, original science research around benefits of kefir to the body. He won a Nobel Prize for his work. And it began kind of, he became the father of immunity. And it's really his work, like he's really getting the credit, I think, today that he deserved. And even though he got a Nobel Prize a hundred years ago, we are still learning about the foundation of his work and the importance of probiotics and gut health is I think one of the most important things that we could think about or, you know, control actually, uh, whether you want to consider that as self-care or good nutrition or healthy eating, whatever. But the fact that we can control this in a world where it often feels like we have no control to me, this is really an empowering and inspirational and aspirational idea. And so I, think that you know telling the story connecting it to science is so so critical and then making it accessible and easy for consumers to understand and then also access you know distribution is key so being able to go and find what they're looking for in as many points as possible is just the key. And I read the tipping point, you know, I know you're an avid reader like myself mm -hmm. and um, I read the tipping point a hundred years ago <laughs> and it's this, you know, idea that you can have influencers. It's like the new version of influencers totally. today, but 20 years ago when he wrote the book, it was, you know, these, these other ways that he described these various people that can impact and influence a market and be that tipping point for a product to reach mass appeal. And that's what we did. It started with nothing. I mean, no one knew what it was. When I did my first demo when I was 12 years old at the local grocery store here in Chicago, people thought it was Pepto-Bismol. They had yeah. no idea what it was. And today, so many more people know. And in part, it was, you know, we, we educated kids and moms. Traditionally, Kiefer was something that your grandma drank, your old Russian grandma would drink that, or maybe a hippie in LA or something would, would drink it like some, some far away, you know, somebody, it was not mass appeal. And 
it took a lot of that storytelling to do that. You know, I think uh, entrepreneurs get so excited if they get like a big write up in like, I don't know, Forbes or Fortune magazine and they think, oh my God, that's it. We made it. No, I mean, that does not move the needle. It takes like 5,000 articles like that over many years to yeah. make it, you know, definitely. And, and then consumers, you know, new consumers are born and new folks enter the marketplace and you have to educate them all over again. So it's never, it's never done. It's never over. And, and then again, like science, new science comes out. Like we just started learning about the mental health benefits. We never knew that until about five years ago to the point where they believe that the gut is the primary brain. They are now learning 90% of serotonin is made in the gut, not in the brain. And so when you think about mental health and we have these conversations every day about mental health, like the fact that we have something so accessible at our fingertips and that it isn't so widely known that, you know, if you consume fermented foods like probiotics, if you do yoga, if you get outside in nature, these are things that can move your serotonin in such a slight way, but it could be the difference between saving someone's life and not. Yeah, totally. So me, like the key to all of the things that we're talking about, whether it's preventing COVID or, you know, reducing its, its impact or spread or reducing mental health or suicide or, you know, any of these big issues that we grapple with or, you know, who has access to healthy eating, you know, it, these are all like really critical conversations that we're really proud to be a part of, I think, and share. We've never talked about this, but my father-in-law is a gastroenterologist. He just recently retired in New York and was at New York Hospital. And he has been, you know, really at the forefront of, of saying that, you know, gut health is like, if you actually look at the gut, you can see so many other things that are going on. And he was very instrumental in the... 1980s, actually seeing in the early 1980s when HIV was moving into AIDS mm -hmm. before it actually hit the skin, you could actually see it in the gut. Wow. First. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. And so he has said for years that like, if you're not feeling well, if you like, you know, have whatever mercury poisoning or just everything like, you know, get in there and actually have, you know, your gut checked, a colonoscopy or whatever to actually dig in because sometimes you can see color variations, you know, definitely polyps, things like that, but they can really like dig in and try and, you know, look at those things. So anyway, just a lot of what you're talking about is just super interesting to me and I know would be really interesting to him as well. Yeah, powerful stuff. And I mean, I even from like a personal standpoint, I mean, I remember being in college, like right in the middle of a major mental health crisis and coming into my father's office and, you know, kind of telling him and he just looked at me and he said, drink, drink Lifeway, drink Keeper you'll be, you'll be fine. And I like thought, come on, you're not listening to me. You don't see me. And yeah. And he was right. I mean, he was so ahead of his time. And so to me, it's just such an honor to be able to share that message and to hopefully give people hope, you know, give people a sense of um, empowerment that they can, I love it. you know, be the, the captain of their ship in even very hard waters. Like I love it. I feel his presence here. I mean, truly, like he's raised such a great, a great uh -huh. girl. So, and, you know, 
doing such a such a great job, especially through this crazy time. So talk to us about, you know, overall like COVID and through this time, you know, with your factory. Your factory's in Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we have three factories, one in Chicago, one in Philly, and one in Wisconsin. So we are all three were operational and continue to be operational through all of COVID being, you know, essential facilities. You know, interestingly enough, I had done work with the UN and had actually been fairly well educated on pandemics. I had done a lot of global health work and public health work and was kind of prepared for a pandemic. I was just waiting for one to break out. I knew it was coming in my gut, in my, you know, conversations with various leaders. And I think, you know, post uh, 9-11 as part of our homeland security, you know, food safety, that responding to a pandemic was part of a safety plan. So we had it all kind of ready. And I think right after Expo West was canceled, I really took it seriously. Expo West, for those of you who don't know, is our big industry trade show. It's like everyone in the entire food industry is there, but specifically natural food, which is now so mainstream, obviously. So this was a big conference. My whole team was there. Yours was probably as well. We were all built out. Our booth was ready to go and they canceled it, you know, two days before the show floor was to open. And I had just gotten off stage. I was just actually doing a couple speaking engagements in LA as long as I was, I was out there and got word that it was canceled and I just couldn't believe it. And that really elevated and kind of forced me to look at what was happening. Like I knew that COVID or coronavirus at the time was kind of unfolding. I heard it in January, maybe even prior, but I knew that it had hit the US in January. So I had this like gut feeling like, take this seriously, prepare to respond, you know, this is going to be an immunity conversation. I knew that. And I had already seen all of the numbers come out of the UK because we have business in UK too. And the Kiefer business was skyrocketing. It was like up 400%. They had it first. So I knew it was going to be the same thing here. Follow that path. And I think that that inner voice, that inner gut feeling, and also like the power of feminine, you know, like we intuitively have the sense of leading in crisis, I think. Mm -hmm. And so I told my team to stockpile seven weeks of inventory. We only have three days of inventory on hand at any given moment. We are, you know, as most manufacturers, but a perishable manufacturer, we don't have a big supply because, you know, it's perishable, obviously. Everything is made to order, but in this one time, we have never, ever in the history of the company ever done this. And so to tell them to build out seven weeks was unheard of. And the fact that all of our suppliers and everyone just responded and got us what we needed. And that helped us when two weeks later, the surge came, we were able to ship every single case. Not one case was And how about the international business? Do you guys have factories over internationally? Yeah, you co-packers there. So, and was that a dramatic change? Like, did you see a lot of shutdowns and and those various? No, not not really. Like global shutdowns, but you know, essential workers, essential you know, food supply to continue. So. I would say this was like scary because we didn't know what this was. You know, today we've already, we've, we've gotten used to it, but as these 
shutdowns were happening, it was really scary. And we were just learning about this disease. We didn't know how it spread, how you know serious it was. So it was really, really scary. And to have people, to ask people to come to work and continue to supply the nation's food system and keep food in grocery stores and food pantries. I mean, before anybody, we had already been shipping to food pantries because we knew that that was going to be an issue when schools shut down. And 20% of CPS students are Chicago public school systems are food insecure. And they rely on the lunch system to provide one nutritious meal for the day. And that was gone. So we knew that there was going to be a major, major crisis unfolding from food shortages. And so anyways, I think that because of that inner gut feeling of that, that impending doom that I sensed, Gavin DeBecker, the author Gavin DeBecker, one of Oprah's favorites in The Gift of Fear, he talks about this, that, you know, in that, that there is a gift in fear and I was experiencing it in my own body and then able to respond like take note of it, be mindful of it, and then respond from a business leadership standpoint to be best prepared and, and help my community. Yes, yeah, no, definitely. And you definitely do that. I mean, what would you say is your leadership philosophy? Oh, my leadership philosophy. I mean, I, in general, my leadership philosophy is always trust your gut. Mm-hmm. I guess my personal philosophy is that the universe has your back and to trust the process. You know, people say, you know, talk about your failure or whatever. And I feel like it's hard to even, I feel like failure is so, such a negative connotation. To me, I view it as a learning opportunity. It's a, a chance to find truth and learn from and, you know, do better. And, and so, you know, even in really dark, challenging times, I can always find kind of a silver lining out of it. So, yeah, I mean, trust your gut. I mean, I over and over, time and time again, trust my gut. And then bravery, you know, it takes bravery to trust it. And I think bravery is a muscle that you can continue to make stronger, just like you would a bicep. You can make that 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 bravery muscle stronger and that gut muscle stronger too. So, I yeah. think you're also not afraid to sort of do like your own path, right? Like I think you lead down a path where, I mean, just one thing that I read, I mean, you've done so many things, but one thing that I remember is when you were on stage with Lady Gaga and at the Oscars in 2016. So talk to me a little bit about that. And for those who aren't familiar with, you know, why you were there. Thank you. That's a real pivotal moment in my life. A real liberating moment too. Well, I was an executive producer on a film called The Hunting Ground, which is a documentary that highlighted rape on college campus and the cover-up of, of it. And as I was an executive producer, and I'm a survivor myself, so the issue is is very important to me. But I had always done this work. I, I had done work in sexual violence prevention for 30 years. And, you know, I had never personally shared my own experience that I was a survivor. It was just, oh, you know, I'm doing this work and it's always about the work. And, you know, I was a great crisis counselor. I helped write the first teen dating violence curriculum in Chicago, even before OJ and Nicole Simpson, you know, I was already doing this work. And so anyways, so fast forward, this was now like 2016, the film 
The Hunting Ground was nominated for an Oscar and Lady Gaga and Diane Warren wrote a song, Till It Happens to You, which was also nominated for an Oscar and an Emmy and a Grammy. It's the only song ever nominated for all three. Is that right? Yeah. Um, And it won the Emmy. So it's amazing. And, and, you know, the video and the song is so powerful because not everyone's going to sit through a two hour movie documentary, but people will watch a three minute video and listen to Gaga and all of that. So she's been so incredible and such a great voice and um, has been empowered so many of us to come forward, you know, with her. And so it was before me too. And it was one of those dominoes, one of those catalysts that I think was the beginning of me too, because so, so right before the Oscars, a few days before, the film team asked if I wanted to go on stage with Gaga. And we had 50 survivors. So we all kind of came out for That's the song amazing. performance. Yeah, Joe Biden introduced us. Um, it was a really, really powerful moment. And I basically came out as a survivor myself. And no one knew, just, you know, a, a few friends. And it was, uh, it was liberating to me. It was really liberating. And I mean, it changed the, it changed my life. You know, it, it became now part of my identity and embodying it and, you know, bringing those two Julies together. And it's been like a, a journey. It's been a, a healing journey for me. And, and then of course, a few months later, Me Too happened and, you know, now we have millions of women who've disclosed and we're having a conversation finally. And this is, you know, in my entire life, I never thought I would see Me Too happen. And it it happened overnight. It literally just overnight, you know, it wasn't a campaign. It wasn't like something strategic. It didn't come out of a firm that, you know, let's do a social impact, you know, campaign. It happened organically and naturally in response to, things that were happening in culture. And I think, you know, when we came out on that stage and we saw every single person in the audience, I mean, every iconic face that you and I grew up with was all in that room in the Oscars, you know, in the... I can only imagine you staring at them. And it's just, again, it's incredible. Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, Brie Larson. I mean, Brie Larson hugged each survivor as we walked off the stage, like each one of us. Joe Biden had a secret meeting with us, each one of us. And we had, you know, private time with Joe Biden to... That's incredible. Him. It was it was so generous and beautiful. And I saw there was not a tear, a dry face in the crowd. And I knew in those moments that everyone was crying, not for us, but for themselves. And I just knew that they were they had their own stories. And so lo and behold, me too happened. And I really feel like it was that moment that was very empowering for a lot of the women that were in the audience to see the collective. Because I think until then we had one-off disclosures. We had this one accuses this one and this one, you know, the one case here, one case there. But this was like 50 individuals plus Gaga, 51 individuals coming out all together. And that collective was a very different, yeah, very different experience. So that's it. So now that's, that's what happened. I'm curious, like, did you hear a lot from your employees and customers who had seen like, you know, you answer, I bet. And I I think just to, you know, work for a company that actually stands for something. I mean, I think that there's been a, you know, dialogue going on, you know, particularly as so many issues have come up over over the last few years in particular, it's like, 
you know, I don't think you can stay quiet as a leader. Like I think you, you know, there used to be the separation between, you know, the CEO of a product company versus what they ultimately believe in. And I'm a huge believer that it's your responsibility to, you know, show up and, and stand up for things that you believe in. And anyway, I just, I think you've done such a great job with that. Well, and you know, the thing is like, there weren't that many paths for me to see. I was trailblazing myself and continue to be, you know, there, and you too, there's not that many of us as women leaders, as young women leaders that are at a certain level. And so it's some level, it's scary because you feel so isolated and alone in it. And so different than the other people in the room, but at the same time, it's also liberating and freeing because you can do whatever you want. You can make it the way that you want it to be. And I mean, I guess because it's a family business and um, family founded business to some extent, I have more, you know, I'm not a hired CEO. I have a little bit more, you know, I guess, freedom to kind of be who I want. And the story itself, you know, is, is very, very interesting. But ultimately, to me, it feels like this is why I was born. I was born to be doing this. I was born to lead. And also like if all of the challenges that I experienced, if I didn't do something with it and make, you know, try to make it different, make it better, then again, it would have just been in vain. It would have been for nothing. And so I just needed to find purpose out of all of the things that happened and the, you know, suffering that I personally experienced or the tragedies in my life. Like I needed to find purpose out of it or else I don't know. And it's an existential question, I guess, but what, why then even be here? But to me, it felt like once I kind of, I survived, I was, you know, here, I'm running this company. I felt like I had an obligation to share the story because I know that this is an epidemic that one in three women in the world are rape beaten or murdered. I knew how privileged I was. I knew that being a white woman of privilege gave me an extra ability to move the needle, to change it. Like if I had made it, I had to give back to my society, you know, my community um, and, and try to make it better and use this this privilege that I have on a very challenging taboo conversation. I knew that I was strong enough and like the worst had already all happened, you know, all that, everything else is like logistics, everything else, you know, the worst had happened. And so, I don't know. I mean, it's been sticky. Sure. There's been a little bit of some tricky conversations that I've had and some kind of just people are they didn't necessarily have the vocabulary or knowledge of how to hold space for people who experience, you know, trauma or tragedy or suffering. Not everyone is good with it, whether it's sexual assault or death or depression or whatever, not everyone's good with holding space, (laughs) but, you know, hopefully as a society, we're getting a little bit better about it. But anyways, my, I guess my purpose was to try to change, change it. And uh, if I was, And once I had my daughters, it became like, I just laser sharp focus on changing it for them. And I was like, I have 18 years until they go to college, which is such a high risk time for girls. And I can honestly say that I spent most of my life working on a movement that I got to see actually, 
you know, get this. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I believe that as well, that what you do every single day, not only being a CEO of a company and really creating change, but what you do with your movements and what you believe in, you know, the people in your house are picking up on that too. Your customers are picking up on it. Your employees are picking up on it. So I think you're doing an amazing, amazing job. So I asked two other questions. Um, first of all, what is your favorite hint flavor? And also, what is your favorite kefir flavor or Lifeway flavor? I always call it kefir though, but I mean, do you, th- do you feel like more people call, I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like you are the kefir that's out there. Well, we are 95% of the market. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. We're 95% of the market. Yeah. Some people say kefir. Some people say kefir. I think that's one of the challenges is people are afraid to say it and they're both are acceptable in Russian as kefir. Uh, but Lifeway is the brand. And I think you don't even have to say kefir or kefir. You can just say Lifeway, which Lifeway. is my favorite hint flavor is watermelon. I love that. And I love cucumber too. Like, I think that's a really, I love cucumber and it's so refreshing and crisp. So I love what you've done. It was such a game changing product innovation in, in beverage. Like it was game changing as you know, and I know how hard that is to break through and how competitive. And I mean, you are just a fierce boss to have taken hint where you have taken it. Oh, that's all so the nice. Innovation and expansion. And you use your sunscreen all the time too. And it smells so good. Thank you. Oh, so, yeah, absolutely. Um, and my favorite flavor, my favorite keeper, well, I am a truest, like a purist, I guess. I love just our plain organic keeper. But that's, what I, that's my favorite. Yeah. I love the plain. And my whole life, I only drank plain and I only try the flavors for, you know, batch testing. But we recently launched coconut and lemon and matcha, which is right here. It's behind me. Coconut and lemon and this matcha are my absolute. I can't even keep coconut and lemon in my own house. And I hide the matcha upstairs in my upstairs um, refrigerator so that I can have some. But (laughs) it is incredible. Like these flavors and they're crushing it too. I, I don't know. There's something really special about citrus with cultured fermented. I'll have to try that one because I really do love citrus. That's and you some. It's still hard to get into, but it's just it just launched nationwide at Whole Foods, which is also, as you know, really hard to get any new nationwide launches going. But the, these two flavors, uh lemon and, and coconut are just rocking. So I think those are really fun. And their whole milk too. The the whole milk is something new because I think growing up in the 80s and 90s, I got poisoned with that whole fat-free movement. And so it's been so hard for me to unlearn this fat-free, you know, having foods with fat doesn't make you fat. But we also have this fat phobia thing in our country. But it's so great to see the kind of return to food in its original form. And whole milk is really having a day right now. So that's really, I think, awesome to see that we're kind of nourishing our bodies with um, with kind of real foods. So I, those are those are kind of my my favorites. I love it. Yeah. And and what the final question? What makes you unstoppable? Ooh, my the unstoppable. Yeah, I would say that defiant hopefulness and and belief in that gut feeling. I love that. Yeah, I I feel like there is this just inner knowledge, this belief that defiance is necessary in this life, and especially as women, that the world will like knock you down and try to tell you that it is 
horrible and that you are horrible. And, you know, the world projects onto us all the time. And it's up to us to be defiant in the face of this darkness, I think. And to continue to like seek out that light, even if it's the tiniest little fairy light in dark, dark moments, I think, you know, definitely touched really dark places. And the fact that I am here today is just sometimes I'm shocked myself, but I have so much gratitude that I am. And it is out of this defiant little, little piece of hope that continues to live on in me and that I hope to share with others, you know, when I'm feeling optimistic that I can share, but I don't know, somehow I, and again, it's that gut feeling in the darkest moments when I lose hope, if I can find somebody to bring me just a little bit of energy, I can usually get out of it. And that has happened so many times for me. And so, yeah, defiant hope just. I just tweeted that yesterday. So find your people. Yeah. When you find your people, it gives you energy and it allows you to just really push forward. And I think you're, you know, just a great example of that. So, well, thank you so much. And where do people find you too, Julie? I know you're on social and where. Mostly I play around on Instagram, me personally. So I'm at Julie Smolansky. So J-U-L-I-E-S-M-O-L-Y-A-N-S-K-Y. And then Lifeway Kefir has its own account. Obviously, there's great recipes. The photos are so beautiful. It and I didn't even mention your book that you... Yes. I cookbook. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I wrote a cookbook. And, and it it's shared. amazing. And I have it. And it's, it's super terrific. So everybody look for that as well. The Kefir Cookbook. And there's really fun stories from growing up and, you know, lessons from my entrepreneurial parents and little stories of immigration. They're like little pre-food tidbits matched with really fun recipes that can help consumers and, and folks get versatile and play with Kefir and just learn about it. And, uh, and hopefully I'll get to that memoir soon too. I started an outline. I never thought a global pandemic was going to be part of the plot twist. And, and here we are. The time, <laughs> is, the time is now. I've gotten more done on the book, Thank you know, you. through this time. It's, uh, you know, as you know, I was writing for four years. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So it goes into, it goes into pre-sale in two weeks. And then, oh, I can't wait to buy it. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's, you'll see a lot of stories, you know, a lot of things that you just talked to me about that I didn't know about you. And, you know, my dad played a huge part in, you know, my dad founded inside of a large company, Healthy Choice. Oh yeah. And so I, you know, I was the kid that was always looking at him and all of his stories about, you know, the fishermen who caught the fish. And I was like, really? Like, do we still need? And now, you know, like, it's just, I look back and, and he believed in the 70s. Like when he was starting, it actually started as a company called Inside of Armor Food Company called Dinner Classics. And he was always telling the stories about like, the suppliers and like what they meant. And that if you didn't treat the people right inside and sort of where it came from and you know and and then a lot of these large companies did away with a lot of these stories so but everything that you were saying about the story like he was such a huge believer and so ahead of his time and actually telling the stories the why that and you know people like we would run into people when we were on you know 
little vacation trips. We never took any crazy vacations, but people would be like, oh my God, I love that story about the Salisbury steak on the back. And I'm like, oh my God, like I cannot even, you know, like what it meant and why he, you know, thought it was so important and what were the cultures behind it. And I was just like, now, I mean, fast forward many years later, I mean, it's what, how we talk about our product too, and how you talk about your product. Yeah, I know it's really that that power of storytelling and we want to know where like our food comes from and food has so much meaning to us and we gather for it and you know, we need it to sustain life. So, you know, knowing where where your food I think that's part of that mindfulness that, you know, we can tap into repeatedly and yeah, the little, you know, farmer, the fisherman, the entrepreneurial kind of human journey is uh, one that is so inspirational. And I do think that so many people want to hear it. I love it. it. Yeah. I will also tell you, I have another movie that just came out. I didn't want to forget this. It's called On the Record. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Tell us. I'll tell you very quickly. On the Record is now just streaming on HBO Max. It just launched like a month ago. And it's a new documentary which gives voice to Black women who've experienced abuse or harassment in the workplace. Um, and specifically, we highlight Drew Dixon's story. Who She worked for Russell Simmons. And so there's uh, 20 women went on the record to speak you know, on film for the movie. And this film is so powerful. It goes into the history of hip hop. It goes into entertainment, into slavery, into the sexual violence, mental health, like all in two hours. It received five standing ovations at Sundance when we premiered here this year. So it's a really powerful movie. It is so, you know, current, like based on what the conversations we're having right now. And it really highlights the challenges that women of color face when they're reporting abuse, but even specifically reporting uh, black men as uh, abusers, because the, the women know that they are going up against their own culture and they won't be believed. You know, black women are notoriously not believed for their stories, their, for the, the sexual violence that they're experiencing. So this film really amplifies those voices. That's so incredible. I'm definitely, it's on HBO. HBO Max. You can get a free trial for HBO Max and stream in. I think friends are streaming them too. So <laughs> um, this is the new friends. But yeah, uh, so you can you can watch it, check it out. And it's just such a powerful film. I'm so proud of it. And we really, you know, because it, it was done post Me Too, and everyone had so many more, like the words, they had the vocabulary to share their stories. And the survivors were so much further in their journey than the in the hunting ground where we were, you know, speaking with kind of college kids who had just recently experienced therapy. So, you know, having that that ability to reflect and process and, and that time perspective in their journey was it was so powerful and they just did such a good job of unpacking really difficult, hard conversations. So definitely go check it out. I'm super proud of it. It's, you know, just such an honor to be able to be a part of a really cool project. So, well, I love how you, you know, want to get these stories out there too. And that's incredible. So, yeah, I mean, I think it gives, it highlights this idea that we are not alone, that, you know, no one is alone and we can face that darkness and we can come out and we can thrive. And I hope that, you know, for anybody who experiences like challenging times, like we're so, so many of us are experiencing in this current moment 
that people know that they're not alone and that there are people right now ready to hold space for them and share with them. And that, you know, that, that part of that like human journey. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Julie, everybody follow Julie and, and see what she's up to. She's so inspirational and go and buy Lifeway Kiefer too, and have a great rest of the week. Thanks everybody. Bye. Bye. like what you heard, please help spread the word and leave us a review. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Please talk to me at Kara Golden on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, be unstoppable. unstoppable. unstoppable.